0: Hi, and welcome to another episode of Back to Biz Podcast with me, your host, Matt Page. Today, I'm really excited to have Rupert Goff, the CEO of Mortgage Lab, join us to talk about all things business. So stay tuned and look forward to hearing from Rupert. G'day, Rupert. How are you today? I'm good, thanks. Thanks for having me on. Awesome to see you again, um, if, if not in person, but virtually. It's, <laughs> it's it's all locked down all over New Zealand. It uh, is, kind of. <laughs> sort of, except,
1: yeah. except out of Auckland. Yeah, except for not in
0: Auckland. <laughs> um, so yeah, um, awesome to have Rupert along, the CEO of Mortgage Lab. I just thought I'd take a quick moment to introduce Rupert and his um, life, I guess, and then we'll get straight into the questions. So, Rupert Goff is the founder and CEO of The Mortgage Lab and author of the book The Successful First Home Buyer, a guide for first home buyers to be the perfect bank client. Having been self employed for 20 of his 23 working years, 23 seems to be a cheap. <laughs> I started very late. Yeah. <laughs> Did you start at um, 20? 30. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Rupert has run a range of businesses, starting at the age of 20 he opened up a digital printing business with the help of an angel investor and then in 2008 he sold that and moved into the world of finance. In 2017 he started his current venture, The Mortgage Lab, four years later and with 28 advisors nationwide. Mortgage Lab is one of the fastest growing mortgage advice companies in New Zealand. Rupert also writes a weekly column for One Roof, a nationwide news and real estate website, and also has regular appearances on the One Roof radio show. And finally, he is the host of Everything Mortgages and the Mortgage Lab YouTube channels. Once monetized, all ad revenue from the YouTube channel will go to New Zealand local New Zealand charities. So we will be putting the links to Rupert's um, social medias down the bottom. So get along to those things and subscribe to them. Yeah.
1: Get us, get us monetized so we can start giving away the money.
0: Yeah, and that goes against everything business, but it's yeah. nice to do. <laughs> so, let's crack straight into the questions. Is there anything we missed out there? Anything
1: nope, you that, to dwell that, on? that covers enough for those of you yeah. who um, who don't like numbers? That ages me at forty three. Started at, started at twenty, and yeah, 20, 23 years later, um, I think self employment is definitely for me. That's that's
0: what I've come to learn. I think you've, uh, I think you've developed into being self-employed well.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, un- unemployable, I think is probably the way most people present. it.
0: <laughs>
1: awesome.
0: Hey, um, I just wanted to find out, I ask everybody this, how did you get started in the mortgage lab and why did you start that business?
1: So I, I was already a mortgage advisor for another company, and, and they were good guys, but I wanted to grow you know, a, a team under me. Uh, and I was actually, I was on my honeymoon in 2017, and um, as all good ideas start, I I'd popped open a bottle of champagne, mm. uh, and my wife uh, decided that she didn't want any. And by the end of the champagne that I would drunk all by myself, uh, we had a business model. So off the coast of Cuba, on a cruise ship, on my honeymoon came up with the idea for a a mortgage business um and awesome. so it got back handed in my notice at the uh, the previous firm and um a, a month later mortgage lab started and and really what i wanted to do was i could tell there was a a, a business model that could really support people uh, support advisors in the market but also um you know take a fair a fair amount from them to cover their, cover their business costs and make some profit and things. But th- there was enough to go around, right? So I really wanted to just work with that model and, and support advisors as they grew their mortgage business.
0: Fantastic. And I know you guys do a lot of, or you do especially a lot of work with your advisors and, and having 28, that would encompass quite a lot of work, no doubt.
1: It, it has its it has its challenges yeah it's um it, it's been a really interesting journey right because on, on the 1st of March 2017 which is when Mortgage lab started it was just me and a laptop mm-hmm. and so i uh, and the processes that you go through getting from one advisor which was me to uh to to five advisors is different to the advice to 20 to to 50 advisors right you've got different challenges and you're setting up all these processes and things uh it it really has been a journey of okay got that sorted oh there's a whole bunch of new problems i think anyone who's scaled up a
0: business will be familiar with that yeah Mm. so I'm gonna. I've got a question for you, but I want to go back to that um, because we're sort of on the advisor topic now. Is having twenty-eight advisors all around New Zealand is obviously a big task um, to manage and and, and and being supportive and being able to probably you know spin plates and put out many fires at once. Um, you must have a really big support team, or or how do you run your back office? There is so. From the very
1: beginning, I knew I wanted to scale and I was kind of lucky with that because from the very beginning, I put in processes and systems that could easily scale to 100 or 200 advisors. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of I'm a bit of a nerd for um, software and processes and and um, computer systems like that. So I kind of researched on, you know, if I implement this system today, will it work with um, you know 50 or 100 advisors and and to be honest some haven't and that was some of it was because i was bootstrapping um the process i was really making it as cheap as i could um a classic example of that is in four years we've had three intranets because um because the first one was just one i i sort of hocked up over a weekend in wordpress second one was a software that um that you know I, I paid for and the third one is actually a, a much better version of it that we've just released but the point is is that um it has they have to be reliant on that software otherwise they're coming to me and that's stopping me from doing things that are more important to the business like growing other than keeping it stable so implemented a lot of systems in there um, we do have um supports so we've got a learning and development manager who teaches them everything you know, to be compliant and, and the best way to manage their business. Um, we've got a business mentor. We've got a brand manager. So it does it does. There are person there are things you can't hand off to computers, unfortunately, currently. Uh, yeah. But um, but yeah, I, I would say process and systems. And if you are game to scale, then put those in first because because, um, you know, if you, if you end up changing things regularly, that people get fatigued you know change fatigue mm. um so try and put the scalable things in early would be my suggestion
0: oh awesome advice um yeah it's interesting because a lot of advisors financial advisors have a lot of um you know they might be a financial advisor with a support staff dedicated to them but i know from your team there's not the big cost i guess for the business and the resource of having a bunch of administrative assistants it's the systems you've built are you know
1: in the computers. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, the AI does it. Yeah. Um, we, we, yeah, again, we tried to, you know, if you're paying a PA, a PA or a loan writer or whatever, $70,000 a year and you need five of them, I mean, you can probably you can gonna get an amazing bit of software for two hundred and fifty thousand or three hundred thousand dollars a year, mm. um, and that's literally what we do. We we um, uh, the example I do is I give is when when I was doing uh, when I was doing mortgages. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's my age. Um, when I was doing mortgages, it was, you know, compile all the documents and, and try and make this Word document as that, fax it off to the bank, blah, blah, blah. I could do about eight applications per month before I needed admin assistance. With the software that we've got, we could easily do 20 applications before you needed uh, admin assistance. And, and realistically,
0: if you ran it smoothly, you could do more. So mm, That's awesome and uh yeah software doesn't get sick or need holidays does it <laughs> that's right yeah <laughs> yeah
1: although you can't fire it very easily <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: they've got all your data that's right yeah hey um i wanted to go back to we talked a bit before about obviously you've been self-employed for most of your career um 20 of the 23 years and and obviously neither of us are qualified psychologists i'm sure we've uh <laughs> thought about it before I think we can agree on that <laughs> yeah. I, think, I think we know each other well enough to know that. Yes. We're not. <laughs> yeah but do you think there's a reason why some people are suited to self-employment rather than being employed
1: I, th- I think it's a risk tolerance thing I mean certainly the reasons I hear I, I get a lot of people approach me to join as a mortgage advisor and when they hear it's a commission only role some people are just just can't do it right and, yeah. and that's okay like I'm, my wife will always be a, a, a you know a, someone who wants regular income right so it's just a risk tolerance thing um i think you have to i have to think about uh, you know a speedboat versus a yacht i think you have to really enjoy the journey of a of a business right it's more like a yacht you've got to you've got to enjoy the challenge that the business throws at you every <laughs> every day when you least expect it, um and, and if that overwhelms you, then then being self-employed it isn't, it isn't for you, but if it if you love it, if you love that kind of challenge, then that's where you're going to
0: wake up every morning doing what you love, right? Yeah,
1: that's fantastic.
0: Um, moving on from that, we sort of want to talk about goal setting, and, and obviously to build a business, you've had to set some goals, and, and how do you do that? Do you, do you set daily goals, weekly, monthly, or I, another way I, of doing I, them? I tend to set quarterly
1: goals, um, just because with the um, with how business, particularly with how our business works, not a lot happens in a month, but a lot can happen over three months. So if you were measuring it monthly, I think you'd get a little frustrated. (laughs) It's not to say that monthly goals are aren't a good thing. It's just in in the way the business is growing. uh, I think quarterly is a better thing. I think that um, I actually I'm sure you told me this years ago, actually. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was you good know, advice. <laughs> are you nervous now? <laughs> yeah, oh,
0: God. Oh. It's all right. Uh, this is not a clean channel. You can say what I need to say. <laughs> oh,
1: great. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, no. It, it was um, to look back a year. So it, we set quarterly goals. But also, yes, that is. Uh, pearls of wisdom from that page uh, um, is to, to some, because sometimes it feels like you're not moving ahead. But if you look back 12 months and see where you were it's amazing right like you can it's just so good so um quarterly goals we do stretch out for an annual stretch goal um but often i take the time just to look back 12 months and be like oh yeah that's right we did we have come a long way so thanks
0: yeah man. no worries
1: and i probably st-
0: <laughs> i know i know where i stole that from was um from when i was in the strategic coach uh, coaching program. there you go yeah and they called that the positive oh, i can't remember what it's called but it's looking back, yeah, and a lot of people think, oh, I'm not going to look back in business, but sometimes it's good to see where you've gone by not dwelling on the past, but I think looking back and going, oh, actually, yeah. I have achieved a lot of stuff. Like, I guess, yeah, when you're in it and you're doing it every day, you sometimes don't know or you don't see the wood through the trees, so to speak. Yeah, so, yeah. And if you look and, and if it, hard, it, gone well. If you are in a worse position than twelve months ago, what
1: has changed, and what yeah. what can you undo? And yeah, just just learning the lesson from that, right?
0: Yeah, you don't want to spiral totally out of control, I guess. Just yeah. Control, quick, look back and, and make sure you're <laughs> on the right track. <laughs> yeah. Um, talking about, well, we've just done the goal thing, but and, and you sort of mentioned there, um, you know, if you're spiraling out of control, what would if what if any failures that have you had in business? Um, what have you had? What have you done to get through them? In so you
1: don't make those the same same mistakes twice. Yeah, uh, so oh, over my twenty years, over my two decades of business experience, um, uh, I I've been super lucky, right? Like I've had really good business mentors and um, shareholders who were really understanding and and really I've, I've, I've uh, probably on purpose, but also accidentally surrounded myself with really good people. Um, I, I will talk about the failures. Uh, because there are many, Um, uh, but uh, probably my first business, which I had for eight years, it was a digital printing business. And and so I was 20 years old when I started it. And I I started it with the help of an angel investor. Um, And and, uh, it was a struggle to grow, right? Like the digital printing business is brutal your, your your competitors pulled no punches and you need a lot of money to um to go into it you know i, I was uh, the last machine i bought was four hundred thousand dollars and and you're making uh, one and a half cents profit per copy and you need a lot of copies so uh, i was totally undercapitalized and quite new to the um self-employment world the uh angel investor had um, a lot of um trust in me probably more than you should have given to a 20 year old looking back and uh so didn't act as a mentor um and, and that's not his fault or mine but it just it's just how it went so um that was really it was a struggle right for eight years and um uh so i grew it to two stores uh, in wellington um, and in 2008, sold it. Um, that, that's probably the success at the end of the failure. Um, and trying to get out of it as well. Well, for clarity, I, it wasn't because I knew anything was coming. It was just luck. Yeah. So, <laughs> as most things are in business, actually. And then into so, uh, mortgages. Yeah, yeah, because the because the GFC looked awesome. So, yeah. uh, <laughs> I'll start in mortgages. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, so that that was that was. I mean. It, Every failure, and any business mentor will tell you this. Any failure is just a learning experience, right? If it does, if it doesn't go, you then then it's just something you've learned. And I'm a lot more, you know. I don't know if you use ClickUp. Do you use ClickUp to track your sort of daily tasks and projects? I mean, I, I just no. I'm so regimented these days on all of that, rather than kind of free flowing like it was when I was twenty. So What's um, ClickUp. ClickUp. Yeah, it's basically like a project management system, but I use it for all the avenues of the business and um i honestly couldn't live without it but mostly because my uh, memory is terrible <laughs> and so I had to write I'd, it down I'll be I'd just be sitting <laughs> at the chair drooling by myself doing nothing if i didn't have a to-do list so yeah oh cool
0: oh, that's good it's good to yeah obviously everyone has these lessons in business and it's good to learn from them but also to make changes so you don't make the same mistakes again i guess
1: well, that, I mean, anyone that has the, the view, anyone that looks like they haven't failed or anyone that tells you they haven't, they're just lying, right? Like yeah. everyone in business tries something and it doesn't work. And so you just, just roll with it. Really? Yeah. The business isn't
0: Instagram, I guess, is it? <laughs> mm-hmm. certainly not. <laughs> yeah. Rupert, what is a fun fact that not many people would know about you?
1: There are many. <laughs> uh, but uh, I think probably the one we'll talk about is, yeah, Matt, Matt knows. Email Matt for more details. Um, uh, I think probably what you can actually see it over my head here. Yeah, if you're listening on podcast, that's gonna mean nothing to you. Um, but uh, 150 blood and plasma donations was um, is, I just got to it. I'm up to 151 as of last week. So Congratulations. Um, yeah, yeah. So uh, I was trying to imagine this may be too far for this channel but what is so it's about 120 liters of plasma and blood and i'm trying to give an idea of what and i feel like it's about a fridge right a small bath a small beer fridge of plasma i've given <laughs> yeah i started because i've got a i've got a rare blood type we're way off topic now for a business podcast but uh yeah yeah uh, I started, I've, so I've got a, a B negative, which is about 1.6% of the population. And so I, I, I was a broke student, <laughs> uh, no money to give, s- still, but uh, no, money, <laughs> no money to give. And um, so I, I decided I was going to donate my blood because it's rare. Went and did a couple and a nurse eventually said to me, you know, people's rare blood types always donate. Uh, but they never use it. There's only 1.6% of the population needs that po- that, that blood. So really the, the people with the common stuff need to donate. So why don't you give plasma? And so I end up doing that and you can do that every two weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, so for, for an hour or every two weeks, I go and give them when, when my two year old hasn't given me one of her daycare colds, I can uh, go and donate it. <laughs> oh,
0: fantastic. That's great stuff that you're doing. Lee. Yeah, cheers, man. And apart from giving plasma what else do you get up to outside of work you mentioned you got a two-year-old i'm sure that keeps you guys uh running around a lot
1: that's what i do from 2am till 5am yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah oh look um i mean the business takes up a lot of my a lot of my time and um to be honest i think of that as as part of a you know it's it's fun it's good good project to do um we uh, live in Tauranga so we hang out on the beach and, and cafes a lot and coming into summer now we're going to be um, there's a couple of t- uh, guys that run um, beach volleyball um, games every second day so I, I do a bit of that oh, nice. um, but really family time is, uh, is probably my out of hours uh, thing these days. Mm-hmm. So mm. if you want to see Rupert
0: and his uh, Speedo
1: get down that's, to that's right. the Mount Mount <laughs> he will be yeah. there Tuesdays and yeah.
0: Thursdays yeah. playing volleyball.
1: <laughs> yeah, mm. you'll recognise me. I um, yeah, I'm, I'm the one that looks like a beach ball. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's an advert.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Hey, a um, couple of last questions from me. Just to I know you guys uh, you're really busy and got a lot on, but um, what are your currently, what are you currently working on or do you have some plans for the future of the business?
1: Yeah, I mean, um, so continuing to grow, um, you know, it's there's really big changes. New Zealand listeners, you know, you, you may know there's some really big uh, changes in the financial markets at the moment. A lot of regulations coming on, a lot of advisors seeking a place uh, to do all that stuff for them. So um, we're doing our best to kind of uh, find a home or give a home to these these advisors. Um, so continued growth with the business, it's certainly not at its peak at all. Um, uh, for the longer term, there's sort of an open banking that's coming in. Uh, Australia's embraced it, New Zealand's as per usual, is about five to ten years behind. Uh, so, so we're just kind of looking at what Australia is doing with open banking, uh, and so um, that would mean you know you have got one app that shows you know your bank accounts with this bank and your mortgage with this bank, and, and I think we'll tie into that quite nicely because that's what we do, right? You can mm-hmm. have your, you can have your accounts with this bank, but we'll find you a mortgage with bank bank two, and uh, you can view it all together. So that is going to be a costly exercise. It would, I mean, anything with software um, is expensive. And then you add in financial banking and the security required, (laughs) it's (laughs) probably going to be eight figures. Um, But yeah, it's, um, that's what we're looking for. That's kind of where we're trying to
0: place ourselves. Oh, fantastic. And do you have a goal for um, growth of your business? Read advisor numbers or?
1: Yeah, I mean, the, the larger companies in New Zealand typically have 150 to 200 um, advisors. There's sort of two or three of them that are sitting around that mark. And I think we could um, head towards that. Uh, what the, the company is set up so that advisors aren't siloed. The, the knowledge is pulled so that you know an advisor has access to all of the other advisors because things are always changing. They need to keep up to date with information. Mm -hmm. So, um, advisors who are one man bands typically miss out on a lot of deals and can't help their clients in the way that advisors who share knowledge Mm -hmm. can. How do you do that with 200 advisors is, is kind of the next problem. we can do it with 28 very well. And I think you'll break into groups of 50 or so that get along well, or maybe geographically, um, local Mm -hmm. but i really want to keep that because the culture is good the sharing of knowledge is really good um how do you do that as you grow so i would like to be at the 150 200 advisor mark but i've got to make sure that the foundations the business built on maintain as they grow that and that's tough
0: yeah and you don't want to become a obviously a big corporate soulless beast that's right yeah (laughs) yeah I mean, I can, but the yeah. business card, yeah, yeah. I'm, happy, I'm happy to. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just sit in your ivory tower accounting. Money, That's right. It? Yeah, That's what, yeah. The goal. Yeah. I doubt that
1: with you. <laughs> no, I can't see it happening either.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um, last question for me and cool. ask everybody this is, what would be your top two tips for anyone maybe thinking about starting a new business or, or even somebody who's currently in business and might be struggling a little bit or wanting some new ideas?
1: yep uh first step would be i think um just about bootstrapping in the beginning like really keep your expenses low in the beginning it's really tempting to get the shiny biggest thing when you start but often a significantly cheaper product will do 90 percent of what the shiny thing can do mm-hmm. um, and you can always transition from bootstrap to high-end stuff later um in the beginning, cash flow is, is king, right? So um, keep that, keep bootstrapped, and and once you grow to a certain point and it's stretching those those systems, then move on to the stronger one. Uh, the second tip I would say is just network the heck out of your life, right? Like uh, it's it's like cash flow is king. It's one of those sayings that you always hear Grant Cardone say, um, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, network. Your network is your net worth, and that is so true and start that years before you plan to be self-employed, you know, gather the people that you get along with and you, you get useful information out of. And, and I think that's how like, you and I connected, right? We could kind of mm. tell we we're on the same path. Um, we were at a BNI, was it BNI? Yeah, it was BNI no. together. Um, and we kind of could see that we were on the same path, right? And so we connected and we got useful information from each other and and that was really helpful. And just just bring those people together because when you start, the amount of disciples that you've got preaching about your new business or the centers of influence they have got, that's going to be the difference between a growth of um, two years versus three months three to six months Mm -hmm. i think that's that's really underestimated particularly for people who are in salaried positions we don't need a network uh you get paid no matter what i think they really underestimate that yeah
0: for sure and that's an interesting point the networking because uh, it's been brought up in a couple of different episodes we've recorded so you got to get out there and see the people and network and, 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 and you do find in those networking groups there are people that you're going to gel with and work with and, and enjoy their company and, and I guess be inspired and motivated by it, so.
1: Well, I mean, the, the way I always put it to my advisors is what would you get more benefit out of spending $10 on a couple of coffees with someone who's really giving you good information or spending mm. $10 on ads on Facebook? And it's always the coffee. Yeah. I mean, you eventually run out of people to have coffee with and then you can start doing social media or advertising, but, but that face-to-face value, it builds a bond. You get useful information. You can pass useful information that you've got and everyone does have useful information from their experiences. That is the key, right?
0: Mm -hmm. Exactly. So get in touch with those local networking groups you've got in your area, Google them and you'll find where they are.
1: Absolutely.
0: Righty-ho. The last thing we need today, Mr. Goff, is how to get in touch with you because everybody will want to know how they can get a mortgage and how they keep up with what you guys are doing.
1: I'm I'm everywhere. (laughs) Yeah. If you Google my name, just ignore the first three, that's blatant lies. Um, I think one of the pages I wrote,
0: so that's (laughs) factual. There
1: there is another, oddly enough, there is another Rupert Goff who um, leads quite a different life to me and sings in the choir in London. That's that's not me. Just for anyone who's searching, um, but but if you if you look on YouTube for Mortgage Lab or MortgageLab.co.nz, um, I'm on the Insta Instagrams, um, <laughs> but not my face, thankfully. Uh, but yeah, mainly YouTube and our website MortgageLab.co.nz. And flick me an email to so say you um, you uh, heard about heard about me on this uh, podcast, and um, yeah, good to chat.
0: Fantastic. And as always, we will put all the links to you. In the notes of the show, either on YouTube or on the podcast. So if you are wanting to get in touch, I'm sure Rupert would be happy to have a chat with you. Rupert. Absolutely. And all of you at once. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Spam me. Yes. Please email them every hour on the hour. If you don't get back to no, don't. Don't annoy me. No. <laughs> all good. Hey, Rupert. Look, it's been awesome to catch up again and have a chat and find out more about you and your business. and where you're going to and, and how bright the future looks for mortgage lab so thanks again for your time and yeah we'll talk again soon thanks for having me cheers Boom. hey once again thank you so much rupert for having a chat to us about everything mortgage lab and and you and your business history it was really good chat um if you are looking for more information again we're going to post some links below in the show notes or in the show notes or below on if you're watching on youtube and as always if you do enjoy this please do like and subscribe to the channel we will be putting out content every week so thanks for listening again this week's episode of back to business